Well, here we are. We're going to start a new series, which is good. New term, new series. And this series is entitled, Questions Jesus Asked. Questions Jesus Asked. And we're going to go right really through to the summer, summer term. We're hoping in the, uh, summer, over the summer holidays to look at the Lord's Prayer just to give you a bit of a heads up, that's where we're heading. Um, now, the Holy Spirit may shift that and change that, but that's sort of where we're heading at the moment. But for these next number of weeks, we're going to look at all sorts of questions. How many of you know Jesus asked questions? Many, many questions. In fact, why don't we... What questions did Jesus ask? Let's shout some out. Questions Jesus asked. Who do you think I am? It's the first one that comes to mind, isn't it? Other questions Jesus asked. We're racking our brains now. Do you want to be healed? Do you love me? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? What do you want me to do for you? Do you want to get well? Who do you say I am? Why are you so afraid? Why do you doubt? Could you not keep watch with me for one hour? Does this offend you? Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Who touched me? Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? What did you go out in the desert to see? To what can I compare this generation? And so on and so on and so on. Many, many questions that Jesus asked, often revealing the true heart of those that he was speaking to. He would ask them a question. And of course, lots of times, there would be silence as they thought through what he was asking them. He did it for a good reason. He did it to shake out the real issues, to provoke and to challenge. Sometimes, of course, it caused quite a reaction. The truth is, many of those same questions that Jesus asked back then are just as relevant for us today. The challenge is, how do we respond? How do we respond to the questions that Jesus asked? Our privilege, of course, is to get to see how people responded. What sort of ways did they respond when he first asked them? So we've got a chance to, to think about their response But the question is, how are we responding today? So, without further ado, I'm going to read from John chapter 11. This is the story of the death of Lazarus. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now sick, was the same Mary who'd poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. The sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Mary and uh, Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going to go back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. 
It's when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking about his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Just note that Jesus already knew. Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let's also go that we may die with him. Uh, Intonation is a wonderful thing. I could have done it a different way. Let's also go so that we may die with him. Anyway, you can think about that one. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the revelation and truth that it brings to us. We just pray now as we open it together and look at it, these great, great declarations of truth. Speak to our hearts, speak to our lives, and draw from us a response, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question that Jesus asked that we're going to look at today is, do you believe this? Now what's the context? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. This is one of, if not probably, the greatest of the I am statements of Jesus. Now, that's another series that we could teach through, but you can track that through. Jesus makes some great statements, doesn't he? I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the bread. And this, of course, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The context here is death. Jesus is not denying that people die. Death is very real. Lazarus has died. It's just as real today. Death is mankind's greatest enemy in in many, many ways. Billions and billions of pounds and dollars and every other currency in the world are continuously being spent to try and slow the aging process to try and find a cure from hundreds of different diseases that stalk our world, all trying to stop people from dying. Now the good news, as we've already heard this morning, is that Jesus Christ has defeated this terrible enemy, totally, 
and permanently. We'll come back and back to that over this morning. The good news is that in Jesus Christ, there is life after death. Because of the power of God, there is bodily resurrection for all those who are in Christ. Now, these are truths that we believe. I want to say right at the outset, as we step into this word, if you fear death today, Jesus is the answer. If you want to know the way to eternal life, it is by surrendering your life to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. See, what Jesus is doing as he speaks here to, to first of all, to Martha, and then a bit later, we'll come to it in a moment, to Mary, Jesus is declaring nothing less than a new world order. Death is not the end. Death is not the end. There is hope beyond the grave. This is not just a theory. It's not just a a doctrine in a book. It is the truth of the living person who declares, I am the resurrection and the life. That's why uh, the resurrection is so important. That's why we believe in it. Because without the resurrection, the whole of the rest of Christianity really has very little, little point. But we believe that Jesus is alive. And so there's a, there's a basis for our hope. It's based on the fact that Jesus is alive. Now, I want us to note something, that he's, he's not just one of these things and he gives something. He is both of these things. So he says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. It is in me. So resurrection to eternal life is in Jesus Christ, but he is also resurrection. He is the the firstborn from the dead and he is the life. So he gives us life. It's in him. So in the same way that the kingdom that we sometimes talk about, God's sovereign reign and rule was was with them, it was with them in presence. So God's reign and rule was there because Jesus was there. So the kingdom was breaking in. The kingdom of God, the reign and rule of God was among them because Jesus was with them. So in the same way, the resurrection power and life was now present with them in the person of Jesus Christ. It was a, it was a present reality. Now Martha had faith. She makes a declaration of faith. She does believe, but it, it, was, a, it was a future thing. Martha had faith. But Martha's faith was looking to the future. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But that was a belief that was held by the Jews. The Jews did believe in resurrection, but it was something very far away, very much in the future, very distant. On the other hand, the friends that we'll read about in, uh, in just a moment, they, they're looking to the past. They're looking backwards and they're saying, if he could have opened the eyes of a blind man, why, why couldn't he keep this man from dying? So somehow they're sort of looking backwards. But Jesus comes and he deals with our past and our future. Hallelujah. So you say, things I've done in the past, 
Well, I always think about the cross. Jesus reaches in the cross and he reaches back to our past. You say, but there may be things that I'll do in the future, but Jesus reaches to our past and our future. Hallelujah. And what he does, though, is he calls attention to the present. Wherever Jesus is, God's resurrection power and life is available now. Because he lives, we too live. One of the most important things for us as believers to understand is that not only do we belong to Jesus, as I said in my prayer, closing prayer of the worship just now, but we are in Christ and Christ is in us. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. There's this new position. It's a new position. It's not just something that possibly may be in the future. It's a present reality. New creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Now there's a process of sanctification. We need to keep dying to sin because we still live in a body of sin. But I am a new creation. I have been born again. The old self has died with Christ And if I've died with him, the Bible says I will also be raised with him. And So by the grace of God, all that I ever need in life, in death, in time and eternity is mine now in Christ. These are great truths. We just need to let them sink in. The knowledge of that should give every believer a wonderful assurance. It should give us an assurance and a freedom from fear. When the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, Colossians chapter 1, he says there was a mystery. There was a mystery that was kept hidden for ages and generations, but now this mystery has been made known. It's been disclosed. It's been made known to the saints, to those who are believers. He says, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. It's not just any old thing. It's glorious mystery. Do you know what it is? Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's a mystery that others didn't know about, but now you know Christ is in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. It's been made known to you. And the incredible truth is, you Gentiles, you who were outside of the promise, those of you who didn't belong, you were outside of God's promise, a mystery has been uh, revealed to you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So in John eleven twenty five, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though they die. Jesus is speaking about life now. It's not just speaking about eternity. Of course it has an eternal implication, but he's speaking about life now. Whoever believes in me will live. They will have life. How do we receive this life? By believing in him. Let me read some very well-known verses to you, but just see these as they come up. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3.18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already 
because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. John 5.24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Somebody say hallelujah. (laughs) Eternal death is the position of the unbeliever, but it's not the case for the believer. They have crossed over from death to life. To life. It's picked up again by Jesus in this last phrase uh, that we just read, John eleven twenty six. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. What that means is we'll never experience eternal death. Yes, there is a moment of passing from one position to the, the new position in terms of our physical life, but whoever lives and believes in me will never experience eternal death because he is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him will live even though they die. Whoever lives and believes in me will never experience eternal death. So there's a quote, wonderful little quote here from a famous commentator, Bruce Milne. To believe in Jesus means that death lies defeated. True, there may be a moment of physical dissolution, expressed in that phrase, even though he dies. But in fact, there will not be death. That will not be the elimination of hope, the reduction of existence to a mere shadowy beyond, which is what the Jews believed in. Somehow there was something, but it was very shadowy. For the believer, listen to this, The present reality is the eternal life of God received through faith in Jesus Christ. Just read that again. The present reality is the eternal life of God received through faith in Jesus Christ. The question Jesus asks is, do you believe this? Do you? You believe this. Martha gives this wonderful, faithful response. Yes, Lord. She told him, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who was to come into the world. Just to be aware that those words of of Martha are given and they're recorded for us in the perfect tense. In other words, it's a fixed tense and settled faith. If we were to read it literally, it would read like this, I have believed, and I will continue to believe. I have believed, and I will continue to believe. My question to us today, and there is application to this as well, which we'll come to in just a second, but my question is, what is your response? Do you believe this? Now, for some of us, I have believed but I'm questioning at the moment. Others of us, I have believed and I continue to believe. Jesus is saying, do you believe this? Let's just continue uh, a little bit further on in John 11. Let's go on from verse 28. After she'd made this declaration, she went back and called her sister Mary. The teacher is here and is asking for you. 
When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house comforting her and noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. There was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there will be a bad odour, for he's been in there four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I've said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? If you're not sure today, if you would say, I I don't even know if I've ever believed that, I want to invite you today to come to the one who is the Lord of life and death. I want you to consider those verses that we read just now. Maybe we can put them up again. Whoever believes in me will not perish, but have eternal life. They will not be condemned. God's wrath against our rebellion against our sin will not remain upon us if we believe in Jesus. We cross over from death to life. And I want to invite you today to seriously consider this truth. Who is Jesus? Who is he to hit to you? Do you believe in this resurrection truth? Outside of Christ, we stand condemned under God's wrath, under his judgment because of our sin, because of our rejection of him and the truth about his son. Death is inevitable for every single one of us. But the good news is that Jesus has won the victory over death. And he shares that victory with all who will repent, all who will recognize their sin against him and turn from that and acknowledge their need of him and their forgiveness. I was struck this morning in the worship, a couple of times I nearly stood and mentioned, but we use the word redeemer and to be redeemed and the price being paid. We used it a number of times in the worship today, great Bible words. It means that there was a price, there was a penalty 
against us because of our sin, but it was paid by someone who could pay it, the only person who could pay it. And so we were redeemed, we were brought back, we were restored in our relationship. So just as Jesus' own death led to resurrection, so if we surrender our independence, our reliance upon self, and we surrender ourselves to him and receive him as Lord, we too are raised to life for Jesus Christ. We are seated with him in heavenly places. We receive eternal life in him. It's a great truth. Whoever believes, whoever puts their trust in Christ, has eternal life, will not be condemned. That person has crossed over from death to life. They're a completely new position. And that eternal life begins now. It's not something I'm waiting for, I'm hoping that I'll get in the future. Eternal life begins now. So that when I come to that point of physical death, and yes, there may be a a, a time of pain, it may be a time of grief and sadness, and those things are, certainly the grief is not wrong as as we lose, there's that sense of loss, but it's not a case of actually I'm entering in, I'm entering into the eternal life that's already mine in Christ. And the reason I want to labor this today is to say that that truth, if we get hold of us, gives us assurance and it gives us hope. See, we find ourselves confronted by disease, disappointment, delay, even death. I don't know if it's partially, possibly the age I'm getting to now, but currently Jackie and I are noticing almost every week, if not every month, people that we grew up with, people on the television, famous people, you sort of forget that they were a few years older than you. And because they were a few years older than you than when you were a child and when you were a teenager, they're still a few years older than you now, and uh, they die. And they seem to be dying quite regularly, it seems to us. But that is the reality. We are confronted by disease. Probably almost every single one of us will know someone else, either ourselves or someone else, who has been challenged by some form of serious illness. Disappointment and delay, decay in the world. There are wars and rumours of wars. We are living in a world that is greatly challenged in many ways. But what we do is we go to the Word of God. We go to the one in whom we have believed our faith is in Jesus, the one who is the resurrection, the one who is the life. We go to what he has said and what he has done on our behalf and that faith, that leaning, putting our weight into him and who he is gives us assurance and it gives us hope. On February the 29th, 1988, my mum died very suddenly at the age of 45. For anybody who notices detail, that was leap year day. She was a committed follower of the Lord Jesus. I was a young 23-year-old Bible college student digging into God's Word, learning how to, to, to become a minister. We had our first child, six months old. 
And my dad sat down with me and wanted to talk about uh, the Thanksgiving service, and we'd made plans for that. And then he, he, he wanted to talk about the burial. She was going to be buried. And he said to me, what shall we say at the graveside? And obviously, as a young 23-year-old, your mum's just died. It's all quite challenging. But he said, what shall we say at the graveside? And I remember distinctly saying, I don't think it matters very much, except the most important thing to say is ensure and certain hope of resurrection from the dead. As long as the man who's leading it says that, I don't really mind what else he says. Ensure and certain hope of resurrection from the dead. I've had the privilege over the years of taking uh, quite a number of, of, of funerals And uh, it's something that I genuinely would say is a privilege, particularly for those who are believers. In many ways, there's nothing like the joy of taking the thanksgiving service of someone who is a believer because there is a sure and certain hope. There's an assurance. There There is a hope that we have. So we may be facing challenges. We may have friends who are facing challenges. We think, I don't know what to say. How can I comfort them? I want to say to them, bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring them, point them in some way or other to the Lord Jesus. Show them the Lord Jesus because he is the resurrection and the life. My question again, Jesus' question, the question Jesus asked, do you believe this? Life in Christ now. That's another application and an implication, if you like, of this great truth. Life in Christ now. So what does it mean? It, it means we're not just trying to make it to the end. We're not struggling and clawing. Yes, our situation, our finances may be challenging, but there's something internal, our emotions, our spiritual condition. We are, we're not just trying to make it to the end as a good person. We're actually full of life. We are wanting to worship the Lord Jesus. We're wanting to express our love for him. We're wanting to lift up his name in our day-to-day life here and now. Because we have an eternal hope. So we're not just marking time. We're not just ticking over. As uh, somebody said to me uh, in the prayer meeting this morning, I don't believe in retiring. (laughs) Going to keep going. Going to keep going. And I think I understand that you may uh, stop working for money. um, And that may be called retiring. But the reality is you don't just sit and say, right, I'm just sitting here now waiting until, you know, whatever. Actually, we're pressing on, we're pushing through, we're worshipping, we're delighting ourselves in God, we're being a blessing to our friends and our neighbours around us because we're in Christ now. And we will be in Christ for eternity. So our attitude is not one of fear. Now fear is is a great enemy of of us, And I recognize that for many Christians, many believers, my pastoral ministry over many years will inform me that fear is a real challenge for many of us. I believe this is the antidote to fear. Know the truth. The truth will set you free. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this?
So there's a freedom that comes. Freedom from the fear of death. How am I going to live? How am I going to survive? What will happen? Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Even though he dies, he will live. There's an eternal perspective to who we are and what we're about. In other words, even as we look at the news and we look at things and we hear things, what we see is not all that there is. There is more. There is more, an eternal more. And we're living in that now and we're walking towards that as well. I just got about 10 minutes. I'd love us in a moment to take communion, but I also would like um, to pray. I just, can I invite you to stand? <clears throat> just, um, just encourage you just to stay in the Lord's presence and soak in these great truths. I want to invite you in a moment to to respond. It may be that some of you'd like just to come and stand at the front in it as an act of response. But I'm very aware that fear is a big enemy, particularly of believers. The, the, I believe the enemy, God's enemy, Satan, will use fear to sow seeds of doubt in us. Have I done enough? Have I been good enough? Have I, how will my, my physical end be? Will it be how I want it to be and there'll be many things like that and I believe that the Lord wants to bring assurance and hope to you today wants to bring life and encouragement to you wants to reorientate your thinking again maybe you've battled with fear fear of sickness fear of illness believe the words of Jesus I will never leave you I will never forsake you You are now hidden with Christ in God. Your physical body, yes, may break down, but there there is an eternal hope. There's an eternal perspective. So if that's a battle for you, if that's a fear for you, I'd love to just pray for you this morning. It may be that this question that Jesus asked is really just facing you this morning. Do you believe this? And that, that reality of that answer in your own heart, like that man in the Bible, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. It's that you're wanting to grow in faith, in believing God, in trusting him for everything, in trusting him for today as well as for the future. Again, I just invite you, maybe you might want to come and stand and say, Lord, I'm, before I take communion, I'm just coming and declaring I'm trusting in you. I'm, I'm going to put you first. I'm believing in you. Just felt that there's a word maybe for somebody here or maybe for two or three people, but maybe you have thought, whatever it is, I don't know what it might be, you, you've said to yourself, this is dead. There's no life. It's, life is gone. But I believe that Jesus would come to you today or come to your circumstance, come to your situation, and he would say, Lazarus, Come forth. You might say, I think this is over, it's gone. Jesus said, I want to display my glory in your life. I want to display my glory in your marriage. I want to display my glory with your, in your relationship, in your family relationships, or uh, in your, maybe in your financial circumstances, in your, in your physical body.
just want to speak over you and over this body again today. Lazarus, come forth. Let the glory of God be revealed in your body in these days, Lord. Let the glory of God, the almighty outworking power of the Lord Jesus, that we might be a people who are believing in you. Believing in you. Leaning into you. Just, just invite you just for a moment. If you feel just to respond, you just say, there's things that I feel have said this morning. Why don't you just come, just stand here at the front for a moment. Maybe one or two just need to, want to come and respond. Things that you feel God has said. Let's respond to the Lord. Just come on your people, Lord. Come on your people, Lord. Rebuke fear. Say, fear, go. Let the truth of our position in Christ be revealed again in our hearts and lives.